This episode of the Nerdball Podcast is sponsored by Jake Paluski at Real JP Multimedia. He does the music for this podcast. He has produced this podcast. If you need anything audiovisual done, he is the man to see at realjp.com, R-E-E-L-J-P.com. Let's start the show. My name is Ron Kleinfelter, and this is the Nerdball Podcast. is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. All right, Ron. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, Uncle Ron, as most of my friends call you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's... Uh, Unfortunate. I, <laughs> I was going to ask how you feel about it. What's that? I was going to ask uh, how you feel about it. You know, I, it's it's fine. It's it's funny. Uh, Ryan Deering call. I, I mean, everybody calls me that. Yeah. Zollers calls me that, so... <laughs> um it's okay so yeah. all right all right i'm only well, uncle to one of you in true true yes. blue though so. yes <laughs> one that he's on my wall he's right there he's along with adam and the other bgsu seniors and the little thing oh yeah. Like that. yeah 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 um so one reason i wanted to bring you on first of all um uh, you're a, a scorekeeper or major league official scorer right official scorer in major league baseball okay. the hat makes you think i'm an umpire but <laughs> I sit up in the press box. I'm an official score. Okay. So before we get to that, uh, cause that's, uh, it's very interesting to me. Um, I do want to ask you, um, what is something you're, you're really nerding out about something you're really into? If it's a, it just can't be your job. So something, something like a movie series or TV or books or a hobby you're doing or woodworking, do you garden any of that stuff? What's something you're like really uh, into? Something uh, I've been really into um is like cobra kai the tv okay. show yeah um you know i'm sitting there thinking i can't wait till the next season it literally takes me anytime those new seasons come out i sit and watch them i'm just i veg out and so i read all the kind all kinds of stuff about when it's coming so um but there's a lot of shows like that i get i get like that so i've never been into that at all whatsoever i i have i find i mean i i watched karate, karate kid, kid or, yeah oh, i yeah. watched that but the, uh, but um i'm also not someone to like re-watch movies so maybe that's it too like i would uh, imagine you you've seen it a lot of times <laughs> yeah um a couple of shows i watched the series multiple times now Co cobra kai i haven't yet um okay. it's just been because i came to it a little late because it started on youtube and then moved to netflix so i only started I saw season one and season two when it came to Netflix and now it's season three and season four and season five is coming. And so you got to remember, I was a teenager when the first karate kid came out, you were just, I think born that year. Right. right. Was in the mid I was born in 85. So 1985. So, so I hear when people talk about Cobra Kai, like, uh, some, it, it's something that people hate watch like they're interested but it's not very good like i would assume you think it's good otherwise you would i mean you know it is very there i understand that perspective it is very very cliche mm -hmm. um what what draws me in is i grew up in that mid-80s time period i'm familiar with all the mu music i'm familiar with all the cultural references okay even though it's set in modern times there's a lot of with with johnny lawrence uh, there's a lot of references back to the to the 80s and the music and 
that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it takes me back. Right. I, I like that kind of stuff too. Just like you said, it takes you back. We recently watched the, the newest Ghostbusters with Paul Rudd. Right. And I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it was really good. Um, but, but it's the same thing, like, like, uh, referring back to, back to the old movies and that kind of stuff. Like, like, oh yeah. And then I explain to my kids, like, oh yeah, this is what they're talking about. You know? Do you also tell your kids that was before you were born too? Uh, I do not. I do not. Uh, they just assume I'm 75 anyway. So yeah. See, all you, all you, all you guys in your mid thirties, you didn't have the culture that we did, so you hijacked ours, <laughs> our us fifty year olds, man. You take ours from the eighties. Is what's going on? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, again, I wasn't. I've seen all the Ghostbusters, but it wasn't one of those things like, hey, I gotta like, you know, I, I did own an. I'm sure I owned a, a pack. You know, what do they call the uh, the pack that you wear? to catch ghosts you know i'm sure i owned one of those as a kid and yeah ecto one i'm sure i had that you know yeah that i was i was 15 16 when ghostbusters came on so those backpack things weren't cool for me to wear oh i'm sure (laughs) yeah yeah i had the little the little trap you threw out and then you stepped on a little (laughs) pump and it opened yeah i had all that stuff i had all that stuff that's probably worth some cash if you still had it yeah oh yeah definitely i had you know my but most of that pop culture stuff was probably because my brother was into it. Otherwise, I was strictly sports. Like I, I really sports, enjoyed sports. Yeah. I watched bowling. I watched golf. I watched, you know, I, my dad came home when I was like seven, and I have a, some bowling on. He's like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "I don't oh, yeah. know, but I'm just checking it out." You know, but I've, Sun- I love that. Sunday mornings on ABC, we watched <laughs> a lot of bowling. <laughs> Pete Weber and uh, what was his name? Uh, that guy's a trip. Earl, uh, God, what was his name? I can't remember. Yeah. But I remember watching that. So uh, it was fun. It was, uh, but but yeah, that was that was all me, and, and that's how me and my dad bonded. Actually, my my preferred method because you had to back in the day. It was either radio to listen to uh, Indians at the time game, right, or uh, TV five. And they weren't on TV five very often. And my dad would get a newspaper and get the little he cut the little Box schedule scores. out. Well, he oh. cut the schedule out for the week or whatever, and then. Um, and then we listen to the games, but he'd always bring the newspaper home because I would, I would look at the box scores and all that stuff. But I remember oh. having to get an extension cord, open our window, plug in a radio so I could listen to the game while I'm playing basketball. But that was, gotcha. that was my favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing to do is listen to Indians yeah. games, especially now. I love Tom Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Hamilton's uh, he's an interesting dude. He's very energetic. He's a nice guy. I've talked yeah. to him uh, up at the press box in Detroit numerous times. So, oh, nice. Um, so yeah, he's yeah. a he's a good guy. Gets so, a little bit over the top for my taste sometimes. Oh, I love every <laughs> bit of it. So every bit of it. I you know, goosebumps. I'll listen to old calls. I I'll listen to even though they lost the World Series. Listening to him call that Rajay Davis home run to tie it up. Oh yeah. Like I just listened yeah. to that last week. Like it's it's in how he and all announcers. A lot of announcers are really good of letting you hear the moment yes he's over the top but there was a time in that clip specifically where he didn't say anything for probably 30 seconds and just right and just well and one thing i'll say about tom hamilton is you know he gets if there's something exciting going on even listening to him it gets your blood pumping because it's exciting to even listen to it yeah so it's always funny when he has his little gas, he gets really excited there's a drop you know and then it's caught on the warning track kind of thing so (laughs) That happens to him a lot, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom and those Indian broadcasters, uh, 
you know, we have a love-hate relationship as far as official scorers in Detroit because they like to, and I, I watch a lot of Indians, you probably know. Uh, so I watch a lot of the TV. I listen to Tom on the radio. They like to get on scores a lot. They disagree yes. with the scores. So yeah. it's always it's always humorous. So. so 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 you're an official scorer for Major League Baseball. I'm assuming yeah. uh, growing up, that was uh, not something you aspired to, but you liked baseball, right? That was. Oh, yeah. Did. I mean, the one thing I'll say about growing up, I mean, um, I mean, I was exposed to baseball you know, major league baseball relatively early. My dad was, uh, he was actually born and raised in Southeastern Indiana in Brookville, Indiana. So essentially, you know, less than an hour away from Cincinnati. So he was a big Reds fan. So when I'm growing up and I'm five, six, seven years old, that was right during the big red machine, you know, mm -hmm. Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan, etc. So just followed that relentlessly. My first major league game was, August 3rd, 1978, or August 4th, 1978, against the Padres at Riverfront Stadium. So, um, you know, and then uh, just kept kept up with it, collected baseball cards, fascinated by the stats on the back. Um, you know, and then it got into, you know, we had, we had cable back in the early 80s, and we had Superstation WTBS mm -hmm. at the time. Now it's just TBS, but uh, they showed the break. That was the only way, because – could not in the Calido area, could not pick up the Indians. You got very few Tiger games, but every night on WTBS, you could watch a Braves game. So, you know, I knew the Braves better than any other team, really, because I was able to watch them. Yeah, um, that, that's my – I have a running theory uh, that it's it's shifting now because you can pretty much watch anything all the time. But uh, when you were younger, and even when I was younger – if the sport team, if the, uh, the team that you liked in any sport, A, wasn't good or wasn't available to watch, you probably weren't going to be a fan of that team. Because I, I mean, I like Texas teams. Uh, lucky for me, the Cowboys were really good and they were on TV all the time. But for some reason, uh, I stuck around for the Spurs, even though I never saw them on TV. Uh, but, that, but I, you know, I ended up being a fan just because just I did. But there's a lot of, a lot of my friends growing up were, were the same, you know, always the Yankees or always the Lakers or the Bulls, you know, because they're always seeing them win, you know, that, that was my yeah, and, they're, and they're, you know? and they're on TV a lot. So, yes, yes. you know, now what, now you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. So yeah, you, you just yeah, back, pay money. back in those days with those teams, um, I was just talking about this with one of my friends. I used to, I used to live and die with my teams. I mean, I, I still remember those Browns teams of the, of the mid to late eighties with Bernie Kosar and, and Ernest Biner and Webster Slaughter and uh, Brian Brennan and all of those guys. I mean, I used to, if the Browns didn't win on Sunday, it ruined my whole week. And then, you know, I'll tell you if the Buckeyes lost on Saturday and the Browns lost on Sunday, which didn't happen too often back then, because both teams were good, but that was just disastrous for me. You know who that, you, you know who that sounds exactly like? Uh, my nephew. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh. I, I, could care less about Ohio State. Like I wasn't a big fan. I didn't right. care if they won or lost. Uh, but if I wanted to have a good time, I would hope that they would win because otherwise Kurt was locking himself in his room and we were going out by, without him. Oh yeah. It, it would be. <laughs> and see now as I'm an adult, um, that it doesn't really affect me. Even mm -hmm. I get upset when the Buckeyes lose. I get up, you know, upset when the Browns lose. And it's funny because like Kurt and uh Tyler and us will 
will and Brandon will all text during the Browns game, just yeah. rip on everything. But <laughs> when they lose, I'm upset about it, but that, then I can walk away. There's only really one like professional one team that I follow that when they lose, it, it like destroys me for a day or two. And I sit there and overanalyze. I watch the game again. I mean, obsessive about it. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers, the NBA okay, team. Right. So, yeah. So I, I follow them pretty strong. So I'm a happy guy today on your podcast because they won last night, even though Evan Mobley got hurt. So, what uh, what seed are they right now? Because they were flirting with the four seed for a while, but now they're, well, they're close to the play. They're playing games. They're now. they're they're in the play, and they're at the seventh seed right okay. now. It's all of it's jumbled. I mean, yeah. it's real close between Chicago and Toronto, Cleveland, um, Brooklyn. I mean, they're all real close. So yeah. I mean, yeah. anything anything can happen. Um, you know, just with the injuries with the Cavs, now we're talking basketball, but with sure, the sure. injuries with the Cavs, I'm I'm just hoping, you know, either they need to f- get healthy and right the ship, or I kind of just want them at this point because of all the injuries, just to get into the play-in and then lose because then they saved their first-round draft pick that they traded for Karis LeVert to uh, Indiana. Okay. It's because it's uh, lottery protected. So if they don't make it past the play-in, then it's then they'll keep that draft pick and they could use another and a pretty deep draft from my understanding too yeah and you never know what's going to happen i mean i remember the one time i think it was it anthony bennett or was it andrew wiggins where they had like a 0.5 percent chance of and they got it um so if they could get one of those top four or five guys it can definitely help them so you know know, uh going back to being devastated when your teams lose i i used to be that way too not not like I mean, it would be a few days and I'm still thinking about it. But what changed for me is having kids and realizing like I have other things I have to do and I can't, I can be upset for a little bit, Uh, but Hey, uh, at the time, this, this, whatever team lost, I got it. Now I got to go change this diaper or whatever, you know, like it's, it's it's car payments and mortgages will do that to you. (laughs) It's all the fun out of life. Definitely. But, uh, but one thing I do love about the sports and the kids is now my son can, can watch it and, and be, you know, be a part of it and cheer with me and, you know, be excited. And, uh, as much as it hurts to see the Indians lose that world series in 16, um, uh, that will be remembered as the year my son got into baseball because right. he, he started asking questions and every, every morning, uh, or when I would come home, he asked if they, if they won and, you know, like he was into it. And, and then, so I'll, I'll be grateful for that run because that playoff run is what got him into it. Cause every night yeah. the game was on me and my wife and him were watching the game until his, his time for bed. And, uh, it was just, it was a cool thing. It was a cool thing. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, um, that's what you need. You need the excitement and that kind of thing to get kids interested. I know, you know, that's one of the concerns, major league baseball. One of the things they're trying to do is, is get more, make the game more exciting, get it more in, interesting for the younger generation yeah. instead of a lot of, you know, middle-aged guys like myself watching it all the time. So uh, how do you, how do you do that? Like, is there, well, I, I know one thing and people, people talk about it all the time. They don't market their stars very well. I feel Yeah, like. that, that is, that is definitely true. Um, especially on a national level, they don't, you know, you're not, you know, Mike Trout yes. is not ubiquitous across the TV. Like, you know, think about how many times you see Zion, Mountain Dew, Dorito, you know, yep. all of that kind of stuff. The NBA and NFL, you see Baker Mayfield on the, the, 
insurance commercials. And, and he sucks. Yes, <laughs> he does. Don't get me started there, man. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, it, t- it, Tyler loves tough. Baker Mayfield, though. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, Tyler. Feel, uh, I feel like Tyler has one of those uh, number two jerseys with fifteen quarterbacks on the back of it too. Yeah, he could. <laughs> yeah, he could. He, he was just saying last night. I'm glad I didn't invest in Baker Mayfield's rookie cards. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's, it's it's uh, it's like I really like that my son like plays baseball now and is into it, but he doesn't know. He doesn't even know people on the on the Guardians, and we like them. You know, like right. they're just like, how do you? It's hard to solve. Plus, he's into yeah, other it's, things it's, too. Yeah, it's 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 a good question. I think they're with the new CBA. Um, I think one thing is they're trying to do some rule changes and make some adjustments that one speed the game up and two add some excitement to it. Yeah. And um, you know, like in the National League now. It's universal DH. Yeah. So there's yeah. no pitchers hitting in the National League, which will create more offense. Cause, you know, everybody likes a good pit. Well, some people like a good pitcher's duel, but, you know, you know, home runs and base hits and people running around the bases is what's more exciting, especially for the younger generation. So, mm-hmm. and I think baseball just battles it because they're the only major sport that it doesn't have a clock. So, you know, like when I go to a Cleveland Cavs NBA game, you know, I know I'm in and out of there in two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Baseball could be four and a half, you know, yeah. you just never know. So, but they're, they're making some rule changes. I just saw uh, last week that uh, they're pushing through and the owners are voting on it this week, I think, to uh, go back to where they, in extra innings, they place the runner on second. Oh, uh, yeah. To try to, so that the games don't go you know, 19 innings, 19, 20 innings, that kind of thing to get it over with. And it's kind of exciting. It adds, I liked it. We did it in the minor leagues in Toledo a couple of years back to start. And I always, I liked it because it just yeah. is, it's exciting from the start. So then they're going to, I think at one point they're going to um, increase the size of the bases. So right now yeah. the bases are because they've been testing that in the minor leagues too. And we had that in Toledo last year. And what, what is the uh, point point of that? I didn't understand that size well i mean the thing is it's like the standard base right now is 15 by 15 15 mm-hmm. inches square and they're going to go to 18 by 18 so that extra three in three inches and it'll provide a couple things one um i think it should be safer because okay. like you know the first baseman is three inches farther away from the mm-hmm. guy coming across the base or any other base it should be yeah. safer and then also if you think about it the bases from end to end they're still 90 feet apart but with that extra three clo- inches, okay, it's yeah. 90, you know, 89 and a half, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's yeah. three inches closer. So you should, you know, get people safe a lot more, keep runners mm-hmm. on base. Um, the other thing, I think one of them, an ancillary thing that'll happen too, because you have a lot of, you know, people stealing second and they overslide and yeah. they're out. Well, with three extra inches for that player, to, that runner to grab onto, you should, that should be reduced a little bit. So I think it'll add, Ultimately, it should add some excitement. And, you know, they're trying to do other things too. So, yeah. um, might get rid of the shift. That could I, be coming. Man, I, I, mean, I understand why. I really, I like the shift. It, it adds uh, to me. You know, I don't know. I, yeah. Oh well, it's strategy. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is strategy, but it's become so. What was the metric I saw? It was like, I mean, over half of the plays 
are there's a shift going on um for you know i mean yeah. more than 50 percent of the time there's some kind of defensive shift going on and yeah. that's all a result we've seen that come in in the last uh what is it seven six seven years since the stat cast era started in 2015 because you know, uh, for your listeners that not, are not familiar with StatCast, is every major league ballpark has cameras all over the place, mm-hmm. and they're measuring everything. They're they're digitally measuring everything, speed of the ball. Uh, I mean, you get all of the exit velocity and the yeah. uh, launch angle, and, spray charts. Um, yeah, well, and that's what it, what's happening is there's so much data after six or seven years. And every team now has data analysts that are pouring over that and pouring over the, the opponents. And so they know, you know, um, think, think, uh, think of any batter, they know where his propensity to hit the ball is. Um, and so then the shifts happen that way. And, and the bad thing about the shifts is it cuts down on base hits. Right. So that's that's why MLB is thinking about, um, thinking about changing that. How about, how about, uh, add more offense yeah how about just uh lefties need to learn how to spray the ball around a little bit better yeah <laughs> you sound a little old school well if he would hit the other way he wouldn't have a problem you know or uh, maybe uh maybe bunt it down third base line every once in a while right right i mean right. that's what they and, want well, you that's to do a lost start nobody can bunt in, in the major leagues anymore very yeah. few people can lay down a decent bunt consistently yeah. there's no more brett butlers in this <laughs> so old cleveland guy that used to used to lay him down all the time so um, so, uh, did you played, did you play baseball in, in high school? Yep. Yep. Um, so, what, no what, college, not like Kurt. No. Kurt was, went on the BGSU and we, we so, can't all be like Kurt. Yeah. No. Um, thank God for that. Right. <laughs> thank God for that. Yeah. Who's, who has a baby when they're 37? Get out of here. Well, Kurt does. Hey, he might, <laughs> you know, might be going for 10 years. He might have two or three more. So. <laughs> I, yeah, he's I, having I, a boy, but he, he won't tell me what the name is. Oh, he told okay. me it was a boy, but he won't. At first, he said it's going to be Kurt what, Douglas Wells Jr., and then he <laughs> said he's just kidding. So, I don't know. I kept suggesting, how about Beanie? How about you know, you know, all the all the people that were Wells for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. So, um, so, so growing up in baseball, and and you, I'm assuming, uh your your uh 15 year old mind wasn't like hey i want to be an official scorer how did that come about you no know, it's kind of it's kind of funny though because when i was younger um I, and i still think about this uh, you know and i tell the story that we used to always go um sunday's family days at ned skeldon for the mud hats okay and you know my dad had buy me a program and almost instantaneously, Lorenzo, that middle section right in the middle was the scorecard, the center, out. you know, yeah. and, you know, it had how do you score. And I'm like, so I studied that like and I was always good at math. I, I just love the, the numbers of it. And so, you know, even when I was younger, like probably I would say. 11, 12 years old is when I first started scoring games. And I, I mean, I was the biggest, it's a good thing we're on the nerd ball podcast because I was (laughs) the biggest nerd about that. I would watch games and my dad would, we'd get those programs and my dad would take them. I I would keep one to where it wasn't filled out and he'd take it to work and he'd Xerox blank score sheets off for me. And I'd be scoring at home for games, just, just practicing doing it. So So your little mind was thinking about scoring. Oh, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. 
crazy how that happened. And even in, through my adult life and stuff, um, before I started in, in professional baseball, it's, uh, I was scoring almost every game. I get a scorecard and I was scoring almost every game I go to, um, you know, I I did that the 95 world series and scoring a game and, you know, going to Indians games and and scoring those things. I probably have them still somewhere. Yeah. My mom was our scorekeeper for, I don't know, six or seven years on my baseball team. My dad coached, my mom was a scorekeeper and my mom was also the bench coach. Um, my, my dad was like, she's like, my dad's like, I just wanted to coach baseball. Your mom handled all the other stuff, made it easy. But yeah. she kept score. So we always had books around. I remember one time I was grounded. I, I don't know, my mid-grades or something. And I, I couldn't go anywhere. So for a whole week, I just had a book. I was watching Indians games and just, just scored them as I was watching yeah. the game. Yeah. It is, it is Pract- a cool practice thing. Practice makes practice yeah. makes perfect. Yeah, but you hardly see anybody. You see it, you can pick out a couple in the stands. You can see all that person scoring, but it's not as prevalent as it once was. And most people, well, you know, to be real honest with you, most baseball players, like professional baseball players, they don't really, they wouldn't know how to score. They don't okay. understand. They don't understand some of the rules. I can tell you some stories on some conversations that I just shake my head at, you know, you've been in the major leagues for how long and you yeah. don't know that, you know, kind of thing. So, um, but it's kind of funny. It's just, it's, yeah, I think it's a mindset more than anything else. And you got to be attracted to the, the hieroglyphics of it, writing it in there and the numbers and, you know, that kind of thing. So I had, I had um, to do it last year for my son's games a few times and I hadn't done it in a while. So I had, my mom was there and I asked her like, Hey mom, how do what's this symbol or what do you do this? Or how do you, and she, she, yeah. she hadn't done it in years and she remembered it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is though, it's like everybody has their own system. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong way. I remember watching my dad, that same game, my first game, my dad scored and he would just write like one B if somebody got a single yeah. Oh, if they got an out. Now that is just like heresy to me now because it's like, oh, where did that out go? Yes. Se- it flew out to seven, you know, yeah. you put in a, a seven in there, that kind of thing. But yeah, so it was, it, it's, it was something that uh, has served me well now. So yeah. I, I'm excited to, you know, be into professional baseball. You know, if you can't play, you know, it's just nice to be working for a team or working for, in my case, MLB. And it's pretty cool. So, so I get you, to go watch baseball and get paid to do it. Yeah. What man, can be better than that? <laughs> that's that is. So I, I love podcasting and I started one at my work. I work for Latino Metro parks and I started one there too. And that's the same thing. Like I'm getting paid. This is what I want to do. Like I want a podcast and I'm getting paid to do it at work. So that's yep. pretty cool. Um, So you, you work for major league baseball. Do you, but right. you, you score um, for the same team. Yeah, primarily. Um, okay. Now, I, I, you know, I'm I up at Com- Comerica Park with the Tigers, so that's my base. But in years past, I've actually in my, uh, we're probably ten or so times now. I've gone over to Cleveland because Cleveland's been something happens with schedules and they don't have a scorer, so I'm like pretty close. I hop yeah. on the turnpike and I've scored games in Cleveland too. Now, the one thing I'll say about I don't know, it's just my my luck driving over there or something, but some of the craziest stuff in games has happened to me when I'm working over in Cleveland. Like what? Can you, can you... Oh, um, there was this one play where um, it was uh, um, Bogarts, the shortstop for Boston, mm-hmm. made the play, he kind of bobbled it, and, and then he threw, threw it across, and then the first baseman 
hit him right in the glove and dropped it. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there looking at it, looking at it. I'm like, is that an error on the shortstop or is that an error on the first baseman? And it's just like, you know, it, you know, it, it was one of those things because it was, it was a bang, bang play. So I'm yeah. like, I'm watching the video over and I'm like stopping it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> if that, he held on to it. Is he there at the base or is it, you know, and I ended up calling it. I remember I called it an E6 and Bogart's, I think his agent or he submitted a review. I can tell you about the review process. Oh, really? And he submitted a request because he didn't, he didn't want an error. Yeah. He didn't want yeah. an error on him. He, he was going for a gold glove and everything else. Okay. So he didn't want the error and uh, submitted it for a review. And um, so I get it and I review it. And uh, Laurel at the MLB office has called me and we talked about it and, I'm like, man, that could go either, either yeah. way. I just thought it was too bang, bang at first. And the ultimate error was because he bobbled it. The shortstop bobbled, bobbled it to begin with. Yeah. And the first baseman dropped it. And, but they thought that even with the bobble, the, the, the powers that be at MLB, they thought even with the bobble, the first baseman should have caught it. So they ruled it an E3. So. <laughs> That's uh, so, so when they Don't review, get me started, but no, no. Yeah. When they review uh, or ask for a review, the score who did it is the one who reviews it to, with no, somebody else. Yeah. So what can happen is because um, that seems any, it seems weird to me yeah. that the person who made the call also is yeah. the one reviewing it. Nope, that that's not how it goes. Okay, okay. And so they ask for my opinion, and I give them my opinion. So how it goes is play happens, score makes the call. I make the call one way. Whoever, whether it's a manager, coach, the player himself. Um, it used to be, but I don't think they can, the player's agent even could submit a review. Um, and then what happens is, is it goes in and it goes to a, um, it goes to a, well, one person in MLB and they are, they look at it and because some of the review requests for some of these major league players, I mean, it's just wacky stuff. So it's only the stuff that, you know, and it's immediately declined. The, the review mm-hmm. request is immediately declined in those cases. Okay. But, um, that, if, because, if because in like, that case, it was like yeah. a clear error. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of, you know, that's a stupid request kind yeah. of <laughs> <Okay>. viewpoint. <laughs> um, but if it, if it goes past the first level, then I get notified that, hey, so and so, I get the actual, it's so funny because I get the actual, um, the actual form the electronic form that the mm-hmm. players or whoever fills out. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it, they're impossible to read, you know, cause <laughs> the, the, the grammar is bad. And, and, uh, and then it's hilarious too, because uh, you know, like I remember Trevor Bauer put, put on there and he was like, if you have any, he put on why he thought the play should be reviewed. And he was like, if you have any questions, call me. And he has a cell phone. Oh, really? there. Oh, and, then, and then you hear all this stuff about his cell phone, his text messages and stuff like that, like a year <laughs> later, but, um, but yeah, that's what happened. So I get the review. Um, and then they asked me, what was my opinion? What was my reasoning okay. for why I called it that way? Mm-hmm. So I'll type out a little thing. I'll, I'll add any kind of the, the advanced metrics that you know, Hey, the exit velocity was X and this is, you know, that kind of thing because we have access, but generally it's, it all hinges on ordinary effort with the, you know, 
whatever position it is with ordinary effort, should that play have been made? Yeah. So I'll give my reply to it, send it back to uh, Tyler Barton at the league office office. Then it goes to a review committee, which includes, you mentioned, mentioned him earlier, Rajay Davis reviews it. Um, Let's see. There's like a a committee. I'm going to blank on all of them now. That's all right. Trying to think Gregor Blanco is on it. Um, they finally brought a pitcher, and I'm blanking who they were bringing oh, on like, this year. Like former players? There's like, yeah, former players, four okay. or five, and they review it. And and there's like five votes, and the majority wins, essentially, on okay. the vote. So uh, now I will say, uh, last year, uh, the team that led, you know, because there's stats on it, the team that led in the, mo- in the least number of reviews. Yeah. And the, we led in the least number of reviews and the least number of overturned calls were the Tigers. Oh, and really? I had, abs- I had a couple of reviews, but they stayed with my original call. I was I was perfect for the year. So I was just going to ask but, you how often that happens, where they take up the review. Um, I think there was, I mean, if I pulled up the, the PowerPoint, I think there was something like 400 and some reviews last year. Okay. Is it's that a lot? lot. That's it? a lot. Yeah. Okay. You know, and. It was, and- it's, are those it's ones that, that go to the panel or those reviews? Yeah, those are the ones that go to the panel. Oh, wow. There's probably even more that just got 86 <laughs> right out of yeah. the right out of the gate, you know. So um but have, yeah, have you ever besides the review process, have you ever had any confrontations with someone like 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 personally, like to you as as opposed to like here's a piece um, of paper? Yes. Can yeah. you talk about it or um, not? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to name um, the name if you don't want to. Right? One person you know from Perrysburg, Jim Leland. Okay. Um, he 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 was very complimentary. Um, you know, the one time uh, Brad Penny was, he wasn't going to get. He had too many. Pit, his pitch count was too high. He wasn't going to make it through the no hitter. Uh-huh. But in the uh, seventh inning, he hit one down the line and ended up calling it uh, a base hit, which it was a base hit. And there's nothing like hearing 43,000 people in Comerica Park boo you because that's what happened as soon as that hit went up on the board. But it was a base hit, and I appreciated uh, Leland in the post game. He he complimented me, and he's like, he's like, hey, it was a hit. He didn't wait. He's like, a lot of scorers in this league will wait to see what happens on the next, you know, to play it safe kind of thing. But he put it up because it was a hit. It was always a hit. So. Uh, yep. A lot of people disagreed with me. That was the one time where somebody tracked me down on my Facebook and oh, I was told no. I am a clown and I should be killed. This is what oh, somebody told gosh. me. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that, that was, that was nuts. So oh, but one time God. Jim Leland called me and it was an in-betweener. I still remember it was an in-betweener out to the outfield and, um, and I called it an error and it cost one of his tiger batters a hit. And uh, he, I'm talking to him, and I mean, he used the F word in every one of the eight particles of speech in about two minutes with me. Oh, it was an F and hit. It's an F. It's an F and hit tomorrow. It's an F and hit today <laughs> or tomorrow. It's an F and hit next week. It's just, you know, it was crazy. But I was like, dude, I'm from Perrysburg too. Relax. So. But he was up in the he was up in the press box last week, so I talked to him a little bit. I never bring that up because I know. Oh sure, I, yeah. So, it's a bunch of f words again. It's, it's kind of it's kind of fun. And then Doug Mentkevich, okay, who caught the last out of the 2004 World Series, the you know when the Red Sox finally broke the curse. Mm-hmm. Um, he was manager of the Mudheads a couple years back, and um, he was screaming at me real bad on the phone, um, and it, it came very close to escalating. 
Uh, really? Because he is, you know, I hope Man, no offense, crazy. Doug, but you were just being stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, it was a play. There was two things that happened in that game. One, you know, his runner who his his player who was stealing second base. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, had the base hand and but overslid it, and then was tagged out. Well, by rule, even though he had the base, yeah. you know, he beat the throw and he had the base, but he overslid. By rule, that's not a stolen base. Uh, Mankiewicz thought that since he had his hand on the base and he, he, he got the base before he was tagged out, he should get a steal. Yeah. And that, that was in one of those cases, like I was saying before, it's just like you've been in the major leagues know. for 12 years and you've never known this rule. Yeah. Um, and, and in that and, case, what does that matter? Like. Well, he wanted his, he wanted his runner. His runner was uh, in the running for like, I think he was getting close to 20 steals. I think he was at 19 and that would have been his 20th steal. So we wanted to get his player, his 20, his oh, 20 swipes. So, okay. Okay. Um, and then the other, the same game um, runner on first uh, run, runner on first and third, no, but nobody out. Yeah. Okay. Batter hits a ball to the first baseman the first baseman runner takes off from first runner comes home from third first baseman steps on first throws to second and the runner has to be tagged out it's called a reverse force double play so if you make the first out at first that runner going to second has to be tagged out Mm -hmm. well the runner was tagged out runner from third came home Mankiewicz was arguing that his batter should get an rbi well, you don't get RBIs double you ground into double plays. Yeah. But his point was it wasn't a double play because <laughs> the first out was made at first base. And again, I was like, you know, <sighs> shaking my head because how yeah. do you, you know, and he was getting so upset and he used a couple F-bombs with me, you know, too. But I just, oh, well, I would imagine crazy. Yeah, I would imagine the reason that was more escalated because it was two calls and not just one. Oh yeah, and plus they <laughs> lost the game, and he was pissed. Oh so. yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. so how long have you been been an official scorer? Well, um, I started with the Mud Hens. Every everybody always asks me, "How'd you get into this?" And it's a classic story. Yeah, did you just like apply. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, not really, but yeah, um, it's a classic story of you know timing and who you know. Yeah. Um, so in 1999, um, I, you know, I was friends with a guy. I, I still am. He's one of my best friends, Guy Whammers. And Guy was an official scorer for the last, the previous two years. So since 1997 with the Toledo Mudhens. Okay. And there was actually two scorers at the Mudhens at the time, Guy and John, John Wagner. John Wagner got a full-time uh, gig with the Toledo Blade, actually being the beat writer for the mud hens. Oh. Uh, so he couldn't do conflict of interest. He couldn't yeah. do the mud hens anymore. So guy recommended me. Uh, and so I started, I started on opening day in, in Skeldon at Ned Skeldon against the Charlotte Knights in 1999 in April wow. of 99. Um, so I was uh guy has an even funnier story about how he became a scorer in 97. He was listening to Jim Weber and the broadcast and this is how sometimes it works, Lorenzo, in the minor leagues, man. Um, he was listening to the Hens broadcast, and Weber said, hey, the Mud Hens are looking for a scorer. Call, you know, 425 hits if you want to uh, try out for a scorer. 
So guy called the next day and said, Hey, I'm interested. I had never done it before, but I'm interested in scoring. Yeah. He was the official scorer that night by himself oh. at that game. So by that's how he's by himself. That's how he started. So then two years oh. later, he brought me on. And in 99, my first year at the hens, um, one of the PR people uh, for the hens was a Perrysburg guy, Brian Britton. Mm-hmm. Um, Britain's Turkey Farm, you know, his uncle oh, yeah. and yeah. that kind of stuff, Britain's Turkey Farm. But Brian was PR guy at the Mud Hens. Well, he worked that one year in 99 at the Mud Hens, and then he went up to the Tigers and joined the PR staff up at the Tigers. Mm-hmm. So flash forward um, five years to 2005, and you know how the Hens every year have, well, pre-COVID they did, every year they have like, they called it the Hens Fest or something where they have people come into the... Yeah. Uh, to, to the ballpark and, uh, you know, bring up, bring some people from the, from the Detroit club, you know, some players and Leland came quite a bit and they bring the fans in and have a Q and a and some other stuff. And, um, it's kind of crazy to think about it, but that hens fest, I almost didn't go to, yeah. but I did go. <clears throat> and then Brian Britton, my old friend from, from Toledo from 99 was there. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go over and talk to him, but I'm like, ah, I don't want to bug him. And, But I ended up did getting a chance to, because he actually came over and talked to me and just off the cuff, I said, you know, Brian, I've been, been in AAA for five years. I'm ready for my call up to the show. And Brian just, I mean, this is exact words, Ron, you couldn't ask at a better time. Oh my God. We have an opening. Do you want it? And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) So, um, so 2005 is when I started and I've been, I still do the mud hens. So I'm, I'm going into, yeah, I always got to do the math because this would be because I started in 99. This would be 23 years, but it's going to be my it's only going to be my 23rd season because we lost a season of COVID got um, it. a couple of years back. So um, but yeah, so 23 years with the Hens and and now uh, 17 with the Tigers with the Major wow. League Baseball. So now is this a is this like your job or is this a no. side job? OK, no, no, that, that's no, what no. I wasn't sure, could, especially couldn't make enough money just doing this okay i Um, I wasn't sure especially uh, i know like i would imagine triple a isn't isn't but like being part of major league baseball wasn't sure like what they how they did with that yeah uh, um you know yeah major league baseball they used to give us a uh basically a per game rate but now they've switched everything to hours because it's a more fair yeah it's a fairer thing because it's just it too many times it's like you like, especially for me, I drive that hour up for Detroit. And if it's raining or it gets delayed or it gets postponed, if it wasn't official game, I got paid zero. Oh, it was okay. Jack squat. Yeah. Um, so now getting paid hourly, no matter if the game goes extra innings, if it gets delayed, anything happens, I'm getting paid for all that time I'm there. So, so how do you, um, how do you do this and have a regular job? Well, you just, you know, you save vacation time. Um, I, you know, there's a team of three of us up in Detroit that do the official scoring. Me, okay. myself, Chuck Clonkey, and Adam Liberman. Um, and uh, we just rotate the games. Uh, you know, there's 81 home game schedules, so that works out to 27. I I just did the schedule for, for this coming year, for the whole year. I, I think I'm on the clock for 35 scoring games, so I'm doing a little bit more scoring this year than the other two guys. But Okay. Um, but yeah, so you just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm taking a day off from my real job to work opening day, Friday, the 8th of April. And then there's a couple of double headers in there. There's a real wacky double header because with the, with the lockout and then coming back, they had to do the schedule. There's a wacky double header in May 
where Oakland comes into Detroit. The first game, Detroit's the home team. The second game, Oakland's the home oh, team. Oh, no kidding. Both played in Detroit. So, oh, wow. So there's a couple double headers, scheduled double headers, which is really rare in baseball anymore, but I'm mm. doing, I'm doing those. So, and in uh, those days where it's like, I've got a, you know, the thank, the thing I'm thankful for is my real job. It's not, you know, it's not a punch a clock and you're in, you know, there's some flexibility and, yeah. you know, I use personal time to when I need to, to get to the day games and stuff. But, you know, like Chuck is, uh, <clears throat> Chuck is retired another scorer so he does a vast majority of the of the day games okay for me so um most of the time on the weekends fridays and saturday nights specifically if if the tigers are in town it's me working those games those okay. are my like those are my two pet games so oh nice Friday and saturday nights you know and uh so. and and you got uh a couple of our friends too doing stuff at the mud hens uh yeah. i remember talking to tyler he was the the, the pitch pitch uh Field timing coordinator. That that sounds so official. (laughs) Yep. Field timing coordinator. That's, uh, you know, again, it goes, uh, Lorenzo, though, being at the Mud Hens for 23 years, it's, it's cool because it's like, you know, um, what is it? Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon in the Mud Hens that everybody there is attached to me somehow because I brought I oh, wow. people in so yeah. like my friend guy lammer some several years ago he kind of retired from scoring didn't want to do it anymore so um it's just, i mean it's uh, it's a bunch of my friends doing it now so yeah you know i brought in tyler i brought in brandon corwin yeah. in there they're doing they're both doing ftc which field timing coordinator they have this big clock and it's coming in the major leagues folks it's they are coming. doing it um they're not not right away sure um, we have field timing coordinators in in the major leagues but the ftc's in the major leagues don't do the pitch clock like they do like in the minors there's a mm-hmm. clock on there and the pitcher has to pitch or it could be an automatic ball or the batter has to get in and it, or it could be an automatic strike and i think it's i think this year it's 18 seconds so Okay, but that's going to come. There's no doubt in my mind because it speeds the game up. Yeah, that's going to come to Major League Baseball in it. And it it, it will because um, that that pitch clock has been in the minor leagues now for for the last several years. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. For the last several years. So you have all of these pitchers and all of these players used to it now. Now, when they're getting up to the major leagues, it's what they were brought up on. So it's it won't be foreign to them. So I I expect if not if not next year then the following year you'll you'll see a pitch clock in the major leagues too yeah. so how does the uh ftc how does that what do they have to do exactly and and like what what is tyler and brandon doing when they yeah. Yeah. Is, is it seem like was, it's easy easy it is isn't just to hit a button if, if tyler was here right now he'd be saying i know what he's gonna say i know what he's gonna say because i always tease those guys that a trained monkey could do that job because it's literally you got a button and you're just hitting a button yeah. Um, yeah so you just hit this hit the button as soon as the ball comes in as soon as the pitcher comes set you turn off the clock you know it's just beep 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 that's what i hear they sit right next to me and i hear it all night beep 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 you know because they're hitting that button Know? Yeah, but I will say, you know, I make fun of them because it, you know, because it's all you're doing is hitting the button. And yeah. I always tease Tyler. I'm like, your fingers are so strong, you could push a nail through a board just with, you know, because <laughs> you've been working that frigging thumb out all your life. Um, but I will say, it it is, it does take intense concentration yeah. on their part because they've got to watch everything that they've got to watch what the umpire's doing. They got to watch what that pitcher's doing. Got to watch what the batter's doing. 
you know, there's between inning clocks and which we have in the major leagues now too, there's between inning clocks there, but, uh, you know, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you, they're getting paid to watch baseball too, but it's, it's all of those positions. It's, it's not like you're sitting there with a, with a cold one and sure. tossing it back and joking with your buddies. You got to watch and you got to pay careful attention. So takes, takes attention to detail and um, immense concentration sometimes. That's what it, that's what would be terrifying to me. Like just because I I did the um, scoreboard for a, for a few Perrysburg basketball games, JV freshmen, boys and girls, and uh, the superintendent was sitting next to me doing a scorebook, and he just leaned over and be like, "Hey, uh, you missed a point there." I'm like, "Oh God!" <laughs> and, and I yeah. didn't even like mess with the fouls or anything. It was it right. was strictly the time and the score and the team fouls. He, uh, hey. Uh, we have seventeen thousand. You only have five. I'm like, oh my god, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrifying. Yep, it can be. It yeah. can be. Yeah, for sure. Um, can anybody buy one of those hats? Uh, no, this was given to me by Major League Baseball a couple okay. of years ago. Right. So they give us some swag here and there. They give us, you know, little notepads and stuff <laughs> like that. Won't focus, but um, yeah, you know, jackets and shirts and. Although the shirts they give me, I hate the shirts they give me because they say they have the MLB logo and then it says official score underneath there. It's like wearing the scarlet letter walking around the press box, man. I don't want to. I don't want to broadcast that I'm the official scorer because then people know who to come to complain to. So yeah, but you very rarely some... wear those wear those shirts in in, yeah. in the press box. So I'd imagine you've been doing it for so long, people know you're there anyway. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, I still try to stay. Stay pretty anonymous. So, yeah, but it, I mean, it is cool. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, you, you, the people you see that are broadcasting now, the hall of famers, the former major leaguers, you know, coming in and visiting and stuff. I, I think it's up to, uh, I think I've, I always joke because people are like, do you get to see this person and that person in the press box? And I always make the joke. I'm like, yeah, in my time in Detroit, I've, uh, I've urinated next to 13 hall of famers in the bathroom <laughs> and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of funny. That's how I was to ask where, you working yeah. for major league baseball. Are you allowed to like, Hey, can I have your autograph? No, yeah, no, that's what I thought. Yeah. Cannot do it. Yeah. It's, it's on, you, you get a credential and it's on the back of every credential. You're just, you know, um, you're not, you're not supposed to do it. You're so, so close yet. So far away. Yep. Yep. I've only in my entire time, and in 17 years up in Detroit, all, all the people, you know, that I've come across, I've only gotten one autograph that entire time. And it was, I didn't even ask for it. Yeah. Um, one of the writers, Jim Hawkins, great guy. He's retired now living down in Florida, but, um, I was talking to him cause I collect sports memorabilia, mm -hmm. baseball cards, et cetera. So I had, I was working on a set of autographed 1984 tigers so the okay. world series team yeah the 84 tops tigers and i was literally down to like a couple of different cards one of them was jack morris who now broadcasts for the tigers i see him all the time um but at that time he would broadcast here and there for the twins and so hawk and i were talking about it and he was like why don't you bring that card in tomorrow and have jack sign it i'm like i'm not supposed to ask for signatures He's like, just bring it in tomorrow. So I did bring it in tomorrow, and then Hawk went over and asked for me. So that's the only oh, that's wow. the only autograph I've ever got. And 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 Jack signed it for me. Fine. I mean, I'm sure most everybody's real nice up there, but you just don't want to. I'm sure they'd sign if you'd ask. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. 
You know, I think about it sometimes. I'd love to get that roar of 84, you know, Gibby with his arms up after hitting that home run. And I'd love to get a like that photo signed by him because I see Gibson all the time. But I just, you know, you're not supposed to ask. And I don't yeah. want to I don't want to get in trouble. Can I tell you, no matter how old I get, I love love trying to get autographs. And I went to the Hall of Fame uh, football Hall of Fame ceremony and seeing like being arm's length away from all these hall of famers as they're walking um yeah. i was out I, w- I was out before we went into the stadium i was out and they were all getting off buses and expensive cars and stuff and like seeing all these people and it was just it's like it's like the coolest thing and my my favorite experience about getting autographs is i went to the indian spring training uh this is probably maybe six years ago now maybe even longer and i took a little tiny it was a baby indians jacket and I had a clipboard and I took that with me. I was like, well, let's see if I can get a few autographs. I probably got like 30 autographs on that thing. And and, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. And I just like a few of the players like only signed my jacket when there's a bunch of people because I'm like, hey, this is for my little my little son. Can you sign his jacket? And then they signed my jacket and then took off. It it didn't sign anybody else's. So it was well, that's the one thing. Uh, you know, take advantage of having kids, man. Take those kids <laughs> with you because they'll sign for the kids. You know, yeah. I still remember uh, in Cal Ripken's retirement year at Jacob Jacobs Field, I took my nephew to a game, not Kurt, but my other nephew Andrew, mm-hmm. and he was he was younger. He's younger than Kurt, but I took him, and we were because Ripken would sign. You know, I mean, you could line up and he'd sign, and so we were right there. You know, and he comes out, and literally like two people down from us is where he starts and Andrew's got his ball out. and So Ripken starts going away from us. And oh. I'm like, maybe he'll come back, Andrew, maybe he'll come back. Well, he did come back, but then he went like one or two over oh, no. from us this way. So there was like three people in that entire line that didn't get a ball. And we were one of them to get, oh. didn't get something signed. And we were one of them. It was kind of crazy. Oh so, man. Yeah. It's, it, it's cool. And it's, uh, because uh, I always think, like, if I ever get famous, like, I would want to sign things for people, oh, like, take God. pictures and all yep, that stuff, absolutely. you know. But, but maybe, maybe when when that's all you people care about, you don't want to do it. I don't know. Yeah, well, when when people are bugging you when you're just trying to yeah. eat a sandwich and that kind of stuff, it probably does get annoying. <laughs> but My yeah, dad, I just wish that, yeah. I just wish these current guys would work on their handwriting a little bit better. So, I mean, it just looks so horrible. You can't even tell what anything is. So one time coming home, coming home from a, a Indians game, it was just my, my dad and his friend went and they had a couple beverages and, and they stopped at a gas station on the way home. And Manny Ramirez was there uh, in whatever expensive car he had with some girl. And my dad was talking to him in Spanish. Uh, but like I said, my dad had, <laughs> had some drinks in he he got him to sign like a receipt or something you know and yeah and then uh like he was standing in the car door like so he couldn't manny ramirez couldn't shut the door and then finally my dad's friend's like hey he's trying to leave man let's go let's go <laughs> i was like man i wish i could have been there for that that would have been awesome yeah manny probably had a lot of ten thousand dollars or so in his glove compartment in that car too because he's famous about that Oh, really? Carrying, oh, yeah. Carrying around. Walk. Well, the one famous thing is he had like a clubhouse attendant. Hey, can you go move my or take my car to get a car wash? Yeah. So he gave the clubhouse attendant the keys. This is a famous story. And clubhouse attendant was how am I supposed to pay for that? He's like, oh, there's some money in the in the glove compartment. Yeah. So the kid goes to the takes the car to the car wash to get it washed, opens up the glove compartment. There's like 20 grand in cash and, in, in in, you know, wrapped up a stack of bills. 
to pay for i was like pay for his car wash man so it's crazy uh well ron i could talk to you all night and, and maybe oh, yeah. you can come back on again and have some more baseball stories i love talking yeah, about get, baseball get into this get into the season man i wouldn't mind coming back and talking about everything that's going on and and uh i mean there's the one thing i'll say lorenzo is uh you know baseball has changed so much in the last 10 years. It's still fundamentally the same game, but with all that data and the stats. Yeah. And uh, in the next 10 years, I think it's going to change pretty significantly too. So I think we're, we're we're within a couple of years of, well, we're going to see it in the minor leagues because they're going to test it, but we're going to see what's called what we refer to as robo. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, anymore. I, I fear for my own, what I do is yeah. that at some point with all the data and all the cameras and everything else, um, they're going to be able to basically with some algorithm decide whether it's a hit or an error. And then my job's no longer necessary. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there's, so, too, there's, there's we'll too much see. technology everywhere. Oh yeah. And it's just, it's coming. It's going to come. <laughs> so nothing. You all can right. Do. Well, well, right, thanks man. again. I, yeah, I, I, once the season kicks off and we're into it, I'll definitely get a hold of you. Come back on. We can talk more baseball. But I, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Good yeah. conversation. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this episode of the Nerdball Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're hearing this on any of the podcasters. On YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We're kind of coming at you two times a week now, audio and video. Check us out on all the social medias. Just search the Nerdball Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're out there. Uh, Gmail is the Nerdball Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, we'll be happy to get back to you. Thanks to Real JP Multimedia, Cuttlefish Graphics, Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab, and Big Daddy Graphics for helping out the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>